Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. It's me, Rosie O'Donnell. How are you? It's summer. It's summer. I'm uh, very excited that summer's here. Although one thing I'm sick of is the TikTok song. You know that one? Can't get it out of my mind. And, um, you know, it's like a pachinko machine in my mind. They all drop at the same time. (laughs) Between that and I am your mother. Listen to me. I love that song, Megan Trainer. I think I might do that as my uh, mother-son dance for Blake when he gets married next year. But um, anyway, I had a big outing with Dakota, who is in her kind of isolating phase. A lot of the people I work with to help her with her autism have told me that this happens when they're preteens now. You know, she's 10, but um, she's acting preteeny. And, um, kind of isolating. Now, she is obsessed with drawing, and that's a great thing. So, she's mostly been staying by herself and drawing, but at the end of the day, she has some elaborate digital picture that she made. But since the summer started, she's really been reticent to go outside. Like, she doesn't want to go in the pool. She doesn't really want to go on the trampoline, and I'm kind of worried about her. So I had these season tickets I bought for the Angel City soccer games, and we haven't been to any because every time I ask, she says no. So I made a deal with my friend Carolyn that we were going to pick her up and her daughter, Gigi, and we were going to go watch this game. And Dakota loves Gigi. Normally, Gigi's five years younger than her, but they get along like a house on fire. And well, she did not want to go at all. She didn't cry, but she was very adamant in the car and angry and upset saying things like, I don't know why you would even buy these stupid tickets. And I was like, well, there's it's a girls team. And you know, when I was a girl, I didn't get to play soccer because it wasn't for girls and boys yet. And she's like, I am not a girl and I am not a boy. When are you going to listen to that? I'm like, honey, I am listening to that. And I 
am doing my very, very best, you know? But she was not happy. And any way I approached it, she was not happy. But I will give her credit because I made sure to charge the headphones. We brought the headphones. She had it plugged into her computer, and she drew the whole time. Now, there were three times she paid attention when we got food. So we had uh, French fries for them. They ate the French fries. They had popcorn, which they loved, and they had a bomb pop. So uh, they were very excited about the bomb pop. And, you know, but I will tell you this, in the car on the way home, they said to me, this is the very last time I'm doing it. And I only did that for you. <laughs> I was like, well, thank you very much. Because I'm a little concerned at at how much you don't want to do anything, on honey. Honey is still okay. You know, part of the issue with a child who is non-binary and really is interested in expressing themselves as they, them. And every time I have so many little things I say, like, hey, baby girl, like, and she like looks at me and I'm like, hey, baby human. You know, like every single thing I say, I have to sort of change. And when you're 61, it's hard, you know, it's hard. And um, it's really affecting her. So we have an appointment right after our animation camp, which we're going to next week. Um, right after animation camp, we're going to talk to a new talking doctor and, and hopefully she will help us figure out exactly how we can help each other, Dakota and I. Parenting, boy, it never ends, especially if you keep adopting babies. <laughs> like, uh, I don't have a lot of friends to call who are 61 who can talk to me about their uh, 10-year-old child in distress, but there you go. On the whole, they are doing very well. But this isolating thing, it worries me. I know people talk about regression with their autistic children, but it's usually they have a few words uh, and then they kind of regress and go back to nonverbal. But uh, I don't think that that's what's happening. But I do think emotionally something big is, is going on for them. And uh, like any parent, you just want to be there and provide a safe haven and uh, offer some understanding, you know. Well, my guest today is one of my very close friends, and I love her so much. I first saw her on Broadway in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I could not keep my eyes off of her. She is as kind and nice and loving as she appears. There's no act with her. What you see is what you get. She is the real deal, and I love her family, and I love her love for her family and her uh, love of, of everything musical and entertainment and Her voice is like one in a billion, and she is cuter than any human should be allowed to be. She's my good friend, and here she is, Kristen Chenoweth. There she is, Kristen Chenoweth. Hello, you. Hi, I miss you. You know, you're like a little pot of gold, Kristen Chenoweth. I always say <laughs> that um, you. you are like the reason that people shouldn't always try meds before they've tried every single thing you've ever done. Like watch every <laughs> performance, go to the Broadway, watch you and then, you know, Charlie Brown, watch you all the way through everything you've ever done. And, you know, I saw the most beautiful photograph of you at uh, Carol Burnett's 80th birthday with Julie Andrews. And I just looked and I thought, 
she's always going to feel, I know her, that she's not one of them, but she is. You are one of them. And I know you're one of those people that will never believe it, but you certainly are, Kristen Chenoweth. You are spectacular in the same unique and absolutely transcendent way that they are. Thank you. I feel, you know, it's so funny. I was just talking about this there that night with Bernadette. I was saying, I just feel like, and I don't know if you saw the article that Goldie Hawn did. I think it was Variety. No, no, I didn't. She was talking about the death of the movie star. Yes. And like the real movie star. And though we have beautiful movie stars today and they're amazing, I kind of feel like there's the death of that kind in my lane with music theater and with your lane with comedians. Yes. And and act like, you know, you look at, oh, there's so many. I'm just bringing up Ruth Buzzy comes to name, but you look at certain, you know, Gene Wilder, you look at all these comedians of a certain time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you, and and I don't know, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant at all. I hope that like you and like me are kind of like the, the tail end of that. Totally agree. Because we we really had these meteoric figures in our world and a time when there wasn't access to see you. Like I, I sometimes hear kids and I count Ariana Grande in this. I see Ariana Grande and I see her sing and I go, this has only happened because she got to see you do popular and defying gravity. And she watched since she was born, Barbara Streisand sing. And she, like these kids, we didn't, if I wanted to see Funny Girl, I had to wait a full year until it was on the 430 movie. Of course, same. That's the only time you got to see a movie again, or even to see the repeat of a show that only aired once. And then you, right. you saw the repeat and then it was just gone into the void. And we, we, we talked about it, and it like it was days gone by, but it was just, it was over and then faded into space. Yes. And now they get that opportunity and I'm, I'm glad. I was getting my hair done for that night. Uh, actually, I wasn't, sorry, Josh was getting his haircut and the lady goes, what are you here for? And he said, only oh, my girlfriend's singing at this thing. And he said, it's for Carol Burnett. And the lady goes, I know her. Mm. I know her. Oh, it pains me. So it really is. What do they say, Rosie? It goes like, who's that girl? How does it go? It goes, who's that girl? Get me Kristen Chenoweth. Get me a Kristen Chenoweth type. Who's Kristen Chenoweth? Yeah. It really is true, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, the greatest line I ever heard about it was Carrie Fisher saying, we're all just waiting for obscurity. You know, we're all of us, you know, no matter who you are and that that it happens. And, you know, I remember when my kids noticed a real significant difference. We were at like a football game or something and all the celebrities were sort of in one area, you know, like where the free food and stuff was. And my son started teasing me going, look, nobody's coming over to you. Look at, they're going over to so-and-so and and they're going over to, but no one's going to you, mom. And I was like, well, I deserve that, I guess, for all the times (laughs) that they did come and interfere in your life. But you're right. Mommy is not known in the way she was. And and you know what? That's okay. It's okay too. But see, but Rosie, there's also the fact of you you are, but- Is it just that there's so much new coming up? Is that what it is? There's new coming up and there's talent that you can see 
on the voice. There's talent that you can see. And these kids who we're seeing have had the ability to ingest nothing but the best art in the business for their That's entire right. career. There would never have been an Ariana Grande if there hadn't been you, if there hadn't been Barbara, because you were the one that she wanted to model her whole life after being in musicals. You were it for her. You were the Bernadette Peters for older generation, right? And that was my Bernadette. Correct. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. It has gone fast, don't you think, honey? It's gone fast. When you plucked me out, and I was, what, 27? Maybe. Mm-hmm. And you were a baby yourself. Right. Even though, like, you were all of our big sisters, but mine especially, I felt, because you have the ability to make everybody feel that way. I never thought. I just thought it would remain like that forever. Right. And it's also okay that it isn't. It's okay. And I think maybe that's part about getting older, too, that I go, as long as I continue to get to do what I love, right? I don't need to be... It's okay. Like, I remember Annie Potts. We were doing GCB, that TV show. Yes. I was asking Annie all the stories and everything I could get from her. Like, I was the one on the cast that wanted to know everything that Annie Potts had to offer. And the four main girls had to stay for a photo shoot. And Annie Annie didn't have to. And I go, no, Annie Potts should be in our photo. And she said, no, no. It's time for the young. Mm. Y'all take it over. I'm going to go home, get in my pontoon boat, have some chicken. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I never understood. Now I'm doing that. Yes. Me too, honey. Me too. When, you know, it's so funny because um, I wouldn't have thought that at 61, this is what my life would look like, but I'm so happy that it does, you know? I'm so happy to make a choice to do a podcast because quality of life matters a lot more when you're 61 you know, I did a series last year and it was done during COVID. So it took more like two years and, you know, and then it was long hours. It's hard, you know, and I'm not saying that to people who work in a factory. I get it. I get it. But I'm just telling you, it's a lot of time away from your little 10-year-old autistic angel. You know, it's it's a lot of time away from where I feel that I'm needed. And I also feel like what am I trying to prove anymore? You know, right? Trying to prove you're funny, trying to prove you're smart. What am I? No. Right, right. Well, Houston, also like, I feel like, and I know that you are this way too. Of course, I still care what people think. Yes, I always have a little bit of that in me, but I've sort of graduated from caring so much. And also like about three or four months ago, I crashed and burned because the schedule was so overbooked because you know we've talked about it before it's not just the television career or the broadway or the concert it's a lot of different jobs i do right so the work life balance of which you speak yeah. with dakota and your kids and the life responsibilities is now what i'm wanting for myself for 2023 and beyond which is the stuff that doesn't matter that you do that's you know just do the stuff you love right my friends have stood by for 30 years. Like, we understand. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I totally get it, honey. And I think that as we age, things come into focus and we drop what we no longer need or use. And and if you're lucky enough to be in a position where you don't have to, yes. you know, which most people are not in that position. But if you are lucky enough and you can get to choose that, I think it's the biggest thing you've ever earned for yourself, you know? For sure. And that's 
a new way for me to start to think. You can see I'm getting emotional. It's because I just love you so much, you know. I love, I love you, you so too, much. honey. You really are like my little tiny sister soulmate because I, I get so. you, babe. And I, I love you and I love your parents. I love your family. I love what you do for the kids over the summer with your Broadway training camp. I mean, I just think you're the real deal, Kristen Chenoweth, and you always have been. Well, I learned by watching The Greatest and that is for sure you. Oh. You know, watching Carol, watching Bernadette, and then, of course, watching you juggle 15 different kinds of careers because mm. people forget, oh, she's not a talk show host. She's also, remember, an actor. Oh, and she does stand-up comedy. And by the way, she is also a host. So it's it's just an interesting. We, we've both been divided. Plus, you are a mother. Right. Let's not forget you're a mother. Five times over. Five times yeah. over. <laughs> you know, you're a mother. You have huge responsibilities. And with this camp and everything that I'm trying to do, I, I'm not a mother, but... I choose that that's kind of where my children are in a way. Totally. I totally get that. I have a, a school, as you know, in New York as well. And every time I get to go there and, and see the kids and what they're doing, I feel like they're all my kids too. Hey, we got more to come, so don't go away. Presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
Tell everybody listening what you do at this camp, and it, it's in Oklahoma, right? Where you're from? It's my hometown of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. That's outside Tulsa. Right. And we didn't ever have a performing arts center. And about 15 years ago, um, somebody died and <laughs> gave a lot of money for a building. I'm so glad they did. And um, they wanted to name the theater after me. Oh. And I, I thought I was too young. And they said, no, you're not too young. You're actually, I was like, no. And they said, yeah. So my dad said, you know, what are you going to do to make it your legacy? What do you want to do? And I said, well, I'll play there and I'll invite my friends to come play there. I'll have Broadway shows come through. And he said, no, what else? So I thought of the Broadway boot camp. And I know part of that was inspired by what you do mm-hmm. with the Broadway kids. Right. That was a definite correlation to what I saw you doing there. And, and I wanted to do it for my home state. And what ended up happening is the last year was our ninth year. And through COVID, I hired Manhattan Transfer's best technical people to do it virtually. And we had kids from all over the world that were able to come this way. And so last year, I did. I said, I can't go backwards. Now that it's open to everybody from London to right. Brazil. How beautiful. Yeah. And so they came. We had over 4,000 kids audition. We could only pick um, 100. And we did 13 to 15 one week and 16 to 18 another week. And what I did was I hired Kenny Ortega. Oh, love him. To come in. I love him too. He loves you too. Nice, nice um, man. Oh, yeah. And so talented and loves young talent like you and I do. And he came in and directed it. And Monarch Entertainment Producing Company decided to film it. And we are in the final stages of editing. And next week, we will be taking it out to pitch for, it's called 13. We we made a documentary. I forgot to say that. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. You made a documentary about the camp. Yeah. Yeah. And it's called 1300 Miles to Broadway because it's 1300 miles from Broken Arrow to Broadway. And- it's very, very good. It's like nothing I've seen. It's all of our friends coming in to teach Rosie, singing, acting, and dancing, acting for film and television. We've added singing, songwriting, and we'll add improv next summer, which I'd love to actually get you. You've you've come in and, and um, Zoomed with us, and the kids freak out. My dream is to eventually have a school, an after-school program for my home state for free where kids can come and study and play and learn graphic arts. and It's so needed. It's so needed. Yeah. We, we had all that. We had musicals every year in my high school. We, yeah. It was a big thing who auditioned. And the, the weekend of the show was so exciting. And we got each other little flowers. And, you know, <laughs> it was what yeah. we imagined we were going to have in our careers on Broadway. And I can't even begin to think how many kids' lives you change with doing that, honey. Well, just like you, I mean... And to see, okay, see the transition, to see somebody who doesn't feel like they fit, to find their troop. Yeah. And it's it's competitive. It's, you know, I'm going to be honest, it's not a participation group award camp, but there's lots of life skills that they learn too while they're there. There's lots of time for team building, lots of talk about grace with themselves, with each other. We were able to finally capture that all on film. And I'm so excited to be able to present it to a very select few studios to see what they think, if it's something that they can see. I, I've been enjoying, what's the thing on, I don't know if it's PBS, but Ron Howard and Brian Glazer did a thing about the the young ballet group. Coming yes, into yes, beautiful. I don't remember the name of it. We could find Me it. Me either. Yeah, because that's what that. happens now. I watch Jeopardy, I go, oh, 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 
oh shit, the buzzer's at. I can't, my brain does not work. People are like, you should host this or that. I go, I have news for you. That Rosie O'Donnell used to talk so fast and really, she's gone. She's taking a nap. I don't know what's happening. What's happening? I think I'm going to have to start taking beta blockers. The other day I was like, the thing, you know, the thing. It's a calculator. Calculator. Like, you, know, you add, you yeah, add you, numbers You on. press it, you know, it's a small thing. Yeah, that's what I do. It's not good. You know, I don't want to say I told you so, but for a long time, I've been telling you this. I look on your your uh, Instagram and your stuff and I go, she's going on tour again. Oh, yeah. She's doing her concerts night after night after night. And then I read, of course, I'm so the queen of Versailles. That is going to be... Stephen Schwartz, of course, he's from Wicked, but that's not, I think of him as Pippin right away. But uh, Of course. Yes, he's a genius, that guy. And you guys work together so well in Wicked and that you're going to be playing that crazy-ass woman who bought that big-ass house and then it all fell apart and she had dogs that pooped everywhere, remember? Oh, yes, the Maltesers that were afraid they were going to be eaten by alligators. I, you know, I, I looked at the documentary, Rosie, and I thought, is this a story that we want to tell? I just wanted to know because then I looked at her really hard and what's lovely about her. There's a more innocent look. We we talk about entitlement a lot, right? Right, today. totally. And um, not everything is bad when you say entitlement. And I, I, I'm being very careful about here because I have champagne problems too mm-hmm. now. Of course. I didn't grow up that way. Nor did I. But we know now. And I wanted to have a more innocent look at the entitlement. She's actually incredibly smart. Um, and I think she kind of has her heart here, but she's also an engineer. And she built this house, you know, David, her husband. Um, she built this house and they they lose everything. And what that looks like in America, and then how do they build that back up, and what does at what cost? Right. And I think it's very timely. Um, given it totally is the gross excess of our culture, and the you know people like the Kardashians, who I'm sure are lovely individually. However, as a family unit, I think they do damage to women by teaching children that you need to cut your face up in order to look perfect enough or add ass to your ass. You know, it it just is so silly to me. And I don't understand why they're so admired. And, you know, people like were saying to me, oh, well, they're billionaires. But Rosie, I think if we're talking about this kind of culture, (laughs) that's what it is. Where are the mothers? Like my mother was in my business all the dang time. My mother was in my business. Fame is such a... It can be like the evil thing that tangles you in and then it can spew you out. And what I want to tell everybody is it's great, fame is wonderful at first, but then it's it can spew you out as fast as you got taken in and then what do you have? So what I will say is people that turn it around and make businesses out of it, that's great too. But if we're just led on how we look, yes, then what happens when we don't look like that? Anymore? Exactly. I mean, I'm a Botox user, sure, but... I know that one day it won't be. And I mean, I'm, I've aged and I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I Every day I think I can't feel my feet. That's okay. The bottoms of my feet and these heels are killing me. What's that? Why does my lower back hurt? I've never had that. Why can't I see anything? Right. Um, you know, just anything. <laughs> anything. How about when you're in the shower and you don't know if it's the conditioner or the shampoo because you can't read it? <gasps> oh my gosh. Every hotel I go in, here's me. 
I get it up. I'm like looking at it. And no, no matter how close and squinty, you yeah, can't no, see. Yeah, no, it's all, it's all yeah. mush. It's all mush. It's all mush. I just, I'm scared that our need for perfection, and I include myself in this because sure, I'm a perfectionist. of course. Our need for perfection, we're going to shoot ourselves in the fit for it. And we're seeing evidence of that, that suicide rates have never been higher. The um, drug use for teens, especially with Adderall and Xanax and all of this stuff, has never been higher right. because needing to be perfect. It's almost like when they go into college, it's like, here, you get your books, you get your dorm, and you get your doctor's prescription of Adderall so you can think. And see, I think I would have fallen prey to that if I were going into school. It's just scary. I think it's scary times. And I want to—I love the phone and I love the internet, but it's also scary because it's if terrifying. I don't respond immediately to yes. my younger friends, they're like, what's wrong? What yes. did I do? I'm like, nothing. Yes. I'm just rehearsing. Exactly. Exactly. The immediacy of it. I remember um, Kelly's brother and his wife had the very first walkie-talkie cell phones. So we'd be eating uh-huh. dinner and she'd be out with the kids somewhere and it'd be like, JJ, I'm uh, coming home and dreaming. I'm like, who would want to live with that? Well, guess what? We're all living with it. We're all living in it. And and everybody's like, oh, the kids are addicted. No, so are the parents. Everybody's addicted to the phone. We sit down and dinner. We have, you know, my brother, his wife, all of us, my mom, everybody's, right. even us. And my dad's like, can we just put our phones down for one minute right. while we eat totally. Thanksgiving? It's scary. It's scary. It's a whole different world than when we grew up, you know? Even 20 years ago, Rosie, even when your show was on. Right. I don't even know how you found surprise guests. And and I mean, I guess the internet was, I don't know. Was it, it wasn't, like- no. In fact, AOL had just launched and I kept telling the Warner Brothers people, we have to incorporate these. And they did a study that showed only, you know, 30% of homes had computers. Well, in the next two years, it was like quadruple that, Right. And uh, they just didn't know how to merge the two. And I think that's what we're coming to with these smaller delivery platforms with not using the most expensive set pieces that you can. Like, you know, even when they redo a show, they make it too big. They make it like, you know, password. It was a tiny little show with Betty White and her husband. And it was all inside quippy, little smart you know, it, it was just a different time, and um, I miss it, you know? I do, no, girl. I miss I it. Too. And yeah. I'm trying to be woke and considerate and learn. Like, yeah. everybody, like, I don't want to offend people. Of course not. But I'll also be like, be patient with me. I was told the other day by one of my young friends, I'm just joshing you. I said, and they said, no, you know, you can't say that anymore. I was like, why not? Because people named Josh might get triggered. <laughs> oh, my God. We can't live in this world. How can we live in this world? Here's what, Rosie. Here's what? one that'll, that'll let you'll die. Go. So if you're in a choir, and I work with choirs a lot. I have them come up on stage with me and yes, sing with I, me. Beautiful, yes. Thank you. Well, soprano, alto, tenor, bass is no longer. You have to say higher voices. Wow. Lower voices. And I'm like, well, what if you're a higher voice, but you're a alto? So the lower of the high voices, because somebody might be triggered because they don't identify as a certain vocal type or <laughs> Well, that's the overly dramatic actors and actresses we're working with, I think. But yeah, it's it's interesting. And we, you and I are, like I said, right in that cusp. Right. And we just have to do our best. And But with cancellations happening every day, I, I'm not so worried about being canceled. I just don't want to hurt anybody. Oh, honey. And sometimes my... My reactions are this. 
Yeah, but if <laughs> yeah. if you do hurt someone and you find out about it, I know what you do. You make comments, you apologize, you try to make it right. You know, that's what you do. And that's that's what I, all you can do is is try your best and be as open-hearted and and let them know that your intent is inclusivity, you know? Absolutely. And respect, right? Respect. Yeah, cuz we are both learning, you know. We learn as we go on and 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 that's yep. the best you could do. And, you know, it's funny when I'm on the set now, Kristen, it's probably not happening to you but yet, but like on the L word, I was the oldest actress there. And I feel a little like Angela Lansbury did, where <laughs> all of us would gather around Angela Lansbury at Tony rehearsals and just try to hear her say anything to us, right? And now I'm the Angela Lansbury and all these young variations of queer kids coming up to me, asking me questions and, me you know, saying, do you have any gay kids. I'm like, no, but I tried. I took them to Broadway. I gave them Barbara and Bette Medler and Kristen Chenoweth and none of them came through as gay. <laughs> well, I'm there. I'm there. I've gotten now. I used to be called Hello Cutie mm. to Hello Lady and now I'm Hello Dear. Yes. Well, you're not where I am. What? Ma'am. Do you think you're able to climb up the stairs before we go to the Delta Lounge? Ma'am, do you think you can climb up the stairs? I was like, yes, I can. No, I want to tell you, by the top of those stairs, I was a little huffing and puffing. But I wasn't (laughs) going to let that guy know that. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. No, I, yeah, I've I've had people, men, like on set, say, here, Kristen, here's a box you can sit on while you wait. I'm Mm -hmm. like, do I look tired? Yeah. Yeah. Tired. But it's happening. It's happening, honey. Wait. I'm I'm a bunch of years ahead of you, sweetheart. And uh, I'm telling you, it's interesting. But here's the thing. I love getting older. I love that I live so much longer than my mom ever had the chance to. I love that I'm getting to raise my children and, you know, Blakey's getting married. And, no. Oh, yes. Can you believe? And do you hear where he got engaged in Phantom? He invited me and her mother to go to Phantom with him. And then before the show started, he got down on one knee. And um, I was like overwhelmed with emotion. And I thought, God, my mother never lived to see this. You know, my mother never saw one of her kids get married. And here we are waiting on the wedding, you know. He said that special. It was wild, Kristen. I was, you know, the, the most times I ever missed my mother was when my first child arrived. And was placed in my arms. And I was like, oh my God, this is... And then when Blakey got engaged, I couldn't stop crying the whole time during Phantom. I couldn't... I just kept thinking, this little boy who didn't talk really till he was five, this little boy, this little outdoorsy man. I remember when you got him. I remember. And when he came to this world and I never thought we'd be standing here having a conversation about him getting married. Exactly. And I'm I'm so happy because you see, just like in Steel Magnolias and all the things that we've heard, the circle goes on. Right. And you know, I you know I believe in the hereafter. And so I believe that your mom, and I don't know if she ever shows herself to you in certain ways, but I know she's here. I know she's watching over that kid, all your kids. Right. And I've told you this before. Um, I know that your mom is proud of you, and I know that she watches over her children. Right. I do believe that. I believe that no, too. No parent is perfect, but she does that. Yeah, I and, and I think that um, as I get older, like I think more about the afterlife than I did 
before, right? I never really thought of it. I thought, God, you die and that's it. And it's sad. Carol Burnett, look at her life. She's about what? to be 90, right? I know. 90 yes. years old, Carol Burnett. I know. It's hard the to other fathom. Day she, was, she was just 70. Exactly. That's what I feel about Jane Fonda too. Jane Fonda was, you know, talking about turning 70 and I went down to Atlanta for her party and now it's like her 86th birthday or something crazy. And I'm like, how did this happen? You know? And also tell me if you're experiencing this, like every day I wake up, I get on the internet and I say, who passed away today? I do too. Because we're of that age. And it breaks my heart. Yes. Because when the ones who have died, let's say in before 10 years ago, like Whitney, you know, such a sad tragedy. It's a tragedy, right? Tragedy. And when someone dies, like almost of natural causes, you go, wow, some people only get 72. And that's, that was their limit. That's right. That's what the average is, they say, you know, that men and women. And that's when we are going to live each day, to yeah. quote Lucy, yes. as if it's the last day of our life. Right. Right. The time is now. I so agree, honey. I so agree. Now, listen, um, the wedding was called off, but you're with the boy still. It's so good. It's actually better. You know how it was also, when I start looking at my wedding as a gig, not a gig, but like, I've got to fit it in. and Yeah, no, no. There's no need to do that. No, honey. No. So we worked out our day and we're definitely going to do it this year because we just, you know, we're going to have a big... We're going to just do just our family. Great. We want to keep it very open. And then in New York, we're going to have a big a little shindig for our friends, which includes you. Well, good. Well, I want you to know that you are on Blake Christopher's list for his guests at his wedding. Just so oh, you know, what? you are. Oh. You are. And he wanted to invite you and Gloria Estefan. And <laughs> well, I, I'm in good company. Exactly. I was. He's like, well, mom, I'm, I've known Kristen like my whole life. I'm like, well, that's true, you know? And he's like, and I you know. Yeah, and you've, remember I would bring him sometimes and it would just be when you were performing or we were doing something together, I would bring him. And he always was uh, such a gentleman, such a little boy gentleman. Well, I have a little special, I'm not, um, you know, trying to show favoritism because all of your children are so special, Rosie. But I do have a little special place in my heart for him. How can I not? We've spent the most time together. Exactly, yes. I can remember one time we were together. I don't know where we were. We were in the dressing room. And he was little, I mean, young. Yeah. And he was just looking at me. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're really, you're really pretty. Yeah. And my whole life, now this is just, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. My whole life I've been like never pretty. I'm always the cute. and Right. Um little snuggle muffin and all that. And I love that. I love that. Right, but right. when he looked at me in such with such innocence, and so I just gave him the biggest time. I was like, I love you, Blake. <laughs> I don't know. We've this thing. We've just always had this thing. So I will be there with bells on because I've seen him grow up. Yes. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing to me. My mom, when, when he got engaged, she goes, guess what? She's the <laughs> one that told me about Really? She's the one that she goes, now, would you and Josh ever get married at a show? I said, no. We're never married at a show. Right. That's my life. No, exactly. I understand that, too. I so do. Now, tell me about Schmigadoon. Yeah, I'm happy about that. Just like you, with L Word, we did 
Schmigadoon in the height of the pandemic before mm-hmm. vaccines. Right. And I'm a vaxxer, so I was kind of like, ugh, do I want to go to Canada and do this? And it was really fun, even though we were being so safe and could hardly, we stayed in our own little pods. Right, you know? I remember that. Yeah, we really minded the rules, and I'm really glad we did. And then we got to come back, I don't know, was it not last summer? When did I do it? I don't even know anymore. What year are we in? We are in what 2023. So we did this last year, and now we're it's all edited together, and it's now yeah, season two, but they're calling it Chicago. Oh. And this is a this is a love letter to sixties and seventies musicals and composers like Sondheim and Schwartz, and wow, all the greats. And I think it's totally different because the last one was Golden Age era musicals, which I love, of course, me too, right? And that role I played was a takeoff of. Uh, while she was just a biddy, just mean and hateful. I had a, I don't know, five-minute number without any cuts. Mm. And it was a patter song, like, um, taken off from, we've got Trouble My Friends right Right here in River City. City. And now, this part, what I love that Single Paul, our writer, has done, is given all of us people, like me, an opportunity to play different characters, very different characters from before. So he's gathered a little troupe. Right. Like SNL music theater. And I think that's, if there's not a show for me than this, then I'm nuts. Then there's no reason for you to be in the entertainment industry. This is your show. It's like a Cinderella fit in the slipper. There you go. It fits. And you know what else too? It fits Alan's foot and Jane's foot and Dove's foot and Cecily and Keegan, who are the heartbeat of our show and so darling and funny, funny, funny. So funny. Oh, God, Cecily and Keegan make me laugh so hard. It's really hard. And Jaime is in, I mean, we have, and Ariana, and I mean, there's, I'm forgetting people, but it's so special. Uh, Aaron Tavet. Wow. We have such a great music theater um, love letter to what we do, and I love it. Well, honey, you know what? I, I can't get over um, how wonderful all of the things that you do turn out. You have a new book. You have, you, I've yeah. read all your books. And you have a new one that's called I'm No Philosopher, But I've Got Thoughts, Mini Meditations for Saints, Sinners, and the Rest of Us. What a great title. Thank you. Really wonderful. I love it. And you just sat down and typed that out on your computer and there it was? <laughs> yeah, you know how all yeah, of Yeah, that's how are. it works. Magic, right? <laughs> Magic. No, the, during when the first shutdown happened, I had just lost one of my very good best friends. I think I talked to you about that before. And I didn't know, I was sort of like, I don't know what to do with myself. And he called me, said, do you want to write another book, my agent? And I said, no, because that was like having a book report due all the time. Right, right. And he said, well, think about it. Like, think about what you'd want it to be. So I, I, separately, I was, I'm a big journaler. I think you are too. Yes. And I journal, journal, journal. And I started journaling heavy again and reading my old ones. And I started writing separately, just separately, some, some stuff down, like, almost another journal. And I thought, hey, this could be, because I write, you know, thoughts on love, thoughts on harmony, connection, loss, hearsay, all of it. Right. Um, And thoughts on screwing up, all of it. And it kind of was born from my journal entries. Oh, great. And of course I used humor because that's a big part of who I am. But I also allowed, I was think it was okay to allow people to see that not everything is always as it seems. Now, you know me, so you already know that. Right. It's not just glitter and rainbows and unicorns all the time and pink. 
And I know that people do think that of you, that you're always happy and it's always, you know, happy, happy Kristen. But, you know, like the rest of us, you struggle with the challenges that so many of us have, including me, you know, anxiety, depression, those things are are real and they're serious and they matter. They do. And that it's okay to sort of let that out of the bag. Yeah. Um, let people see, because I want people, especially my younger crowd, audience to know that this is a part of who I am too. And it's okay if you have that. I really sure. wanted to spread that message. And so there's some pretty deep journal entries that I share mm-hmm. so that people can see how the darkness can happen and right. and how I pull myself out of it. And of course, silly things like, you know, my mom always says, you know, you got to have the patience of Job and you need to read Job again. So I go back and read Job and Job bitched his head off. Thank yeah. you very much. Welcome. Right. So we talk a little bit about that kind of thing, but also just like you, you've, I've seen you do this, like people that inspire you, like mottos they've had. There's one that I keep going back to and I list a lot of them and why. And then maybe my version of that motto, which like there's one that says that, you remember Elizabeth Edwards? Of course, yes. And she got cancer and he had an affair and it was a bad situation. Not a good guy, I don't think. Sorry for judging him, but. I judged him for that too, though. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I kind of judged him and then she got sick and passed away. But she said the most beautiful thing, Rosie, and I have it. I got it in a postcard and I, I framed it. I cut the card off and I framed the thing. Right. It says, she stood in the storm and when the wind did not blow her away, she adjusted her sails. Mm. And so for me, kind of every day, and, and by the way, it doesn't have to be bad stuff. Right. You can stand in the storm of goodness. Right. And whether you're going to accept it, what you're going to do with it, how you're going to handle it, all those things. And when the wind does not blow your way, adjust yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but still staying with who you are. I love that so much. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of um just musings and and also some of the meditations. There's thoughts about vertigo, sickness, mm-hmm. and thoughts about an accident that I had and how yes. I pushed it down, pushed it down, way down, and how it affected my life. And how I still have pain from it and anxiety. And uh, it's just a-okay with me to share those parts of who I am. And hopefully done with humor as well. So that's why I wrote the book. And it just, it sort of formed. And so many nights, sleepless nights during the shutdown, of course, sleepless nights. Because yes. I was thinking, right, how are we in this position? Yes. How, how can we be here? How can another school shooting happen? Now it's so normal that I just go, that's normal. That's mm. sad. It's tragic. And so I can get really depressed. Me I can too, honey. Really Me too. I know. I know. I know. So yeah. it's that kind of a book. Well, I can't wait to get it. I'm going to go take the little one to pick out her books this weekend. Oh, good. Listen, I-, I love you so much. Thank you. And thank you, people. And I love you. Goodbye. I love you. Bye. Didn't you enjoy that? We'll be back with some questions from you, the listener. Presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, Kristen Chenoweth. I love you so much. And now we hear from you, the listener. Let's see what we got. Couple questions lined up. Hit it. Hi, Rosie. It's Tessa listening in all the way from Amsterdam, Europe. Um, hopefully, the first one from Europe to make it on the show. Yay. Um, thank you so much for making this podcast and being such an inspiration. It's really the highlight of my week. So, Thank you. I wanted to tell you that. Um, and it just it's just so such a feel-good moment and so positive. What I wanted to ask you is, um, I think it's super uh, inspiring that you uh, adopted five children. I mean, wow, you deserve a medal for that. Um, and I wanted to know if you always knew that you wanted to adopt. Or was there also a time where you were in the process um, of getting pregnant or wanting to, um, having gone through two miscarriages myself? Um, yeah, I was wondering how, how your journey was with that. Um, so again, thank you so much for all that you do. And yeah, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, all the way from Amsterdam, which I can't wait to go visit one day for many reasons, not just the plentiful marijuana, but um, I can't wait to go visit there. And thank you for your question. You know, I never wanted to give birth. Isn't that odd? I, I never did. I mean, I knew that I was gay from the time I was about 10 years old, and I just never thought it was going to be, you know, part of my journey. And also, I had a teacher named Pat Maravel who became like a mom to me after my mother died. I, I uh, My mother died, I was fifth, in uh, fifth grade and I met this teacher in seventh grade and then she sort of took me under her wing and, and she got pregnant and her husband was also a teacher and they had a baby and 
Then they had another baby, and I said I would stay home and watch the two-year-old while they were going to the hospital. Well, I wasn't prepared for what I saw at 16 years old. It was terrifying to me, to tell you the God's honest truth. But it's not like there was ever a time in my life where I thought, I want to get pregnant, and this is the time, and I want to uh, experience that for myself. I know so many of my friends went through that, but I never went through it. And I think because of this woman, Pat Maravell, I knew that love made a family, not blood. You know, and she was the first one who ever hugged me, the first one who ever said, I love you to me. She was um, really formative and instrumental in my life. She died of um, breast cancer and uh, very sad, but I I never did go through uh, fertility issues or fertility questioning I just knew because of her and her love for me and how it changed my world that, you know, family is is defined by love and that's what makes a family, not necessarily blood. So, um, the five kids, some people say what you said to me, you know, you should be lauded for doing that. You know, I, I, I am the lucky recipient of another woman's generosity and these kids are the reason that my whole life has been meaningful. They make me want to be better and do better and show up more and and uh, help them along their journey. So, you know, it's like a mutual uh a mutual gift, I think, all around. But good luck in your journey to become a parent. I hope whichever way the child you're supposed to raise finds you is the right way. And um I hope you get to experience it because it is by far the greatest joy of living, if you ask me. Thank you for that beautiful question. And we got one more. Here we go. Hi, Rosie. I have been a big fan since I was a elementary schooler, uh, watching your show after school and just really loving it. And since I have listened to and basically watched and read everything you've ever done, and I've always just been interested in what you're up to. So I'm loving this podcast. And a comment for you is that I've never heard you sounding so settled and centered and I don't know, you just seem to be in a really good space. And I just wanted to say that I'm noticing that and I think it's really cool to see. And I like um, that you said on your podcast with Ross that life is a circle and you come back to yourself. Are you coming back to yourself? Something that I'm working on too. Beautiful, beautiful question. Thank you so much. You know what I think it is too? I think it's age. You know, when I turned 60, something shifted and I'll be 62 this year, you know, and I was born in 62. That makes it some special kind of year for the person. But um, yes, I uh, I feel good. You know, I worked very hard on my mental health when I moved out here during the pandemic. I was very, very depressed during the pandemic in New York, in New Jersey, in a big house where nobody could come visit. And it was Dakota and myself, and it became too big and and everything became too oppressive. And I knew I needed the sun. So I came to LA and in the last two and a half years that I've been here, it's just been me working on me. And I have a wonderful therapist that I've been with for a while and and she's uh, phenomenal and helps me see clearly and maybe reframe some things that that I need reframing with. Um, so yes, I, I thank you for noticing, first of all. And I thank you also for uh, 
wanting that to be for you too. I want that for everyone. But you can't scream at a flower to bloom and you can't rush yourself to a place where things settle. And I think you'll find a lot of postmenopausal women like myself find that there's a wisdom that comes with it. There's there's something that replaces uh, where you were. And, and that's this new feeling grounded and centered and, and safe and, and authentically myself. And I wish that for everyone listening. And I thank you so much for the beautiful question. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And next week, we'll be back talking with Daniel Rosen, Dr. Daniel Rosen, all about Manjaro, weight loss, and what one can do to get started on being healthier in the weight area. And it's all connected, you know, mind, body, spirit, health, all of it. So listen for that. It's very interesting. Thanks so much. See you next week. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.